All right, everybody. This is Brother Frank, and glad you're here. We've got Brother David Murray is going to be back with us tonight on this episode on his Deeper Communion series, and tonight is going to be about understanding and cooperating with prophecy. Praise the Lord. I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone that uh, listened to last week's program, Brother Benjamin, but we had a little a little um, part in the beginning of the episode with the Johnson family out of Panama. Thank you for those who have helped donate, and uh, they, they are the real people. They've said, I'm going all in. I'm going to follow the Lord, and if he's called into Panama, then they went. They, I mean, and the crazy thing is the whole family, all the children are all in on it unbelievable this day and age to see families, the whole family in. And so I say thank God for that. Um, This message we are recording Wednesday night for the broadcast on Thursday night. And I am going to actually solicit some prayers for myself selfishly and the the crew I'm with. Uh, We're going whitewater rafting back of the Gully River on Friday, doing the upper Gully specifically, and some are on the lower so please, I'm asking for the prayers of protection. I'm excited. Um, I'm not a person with a death wish, uh, but I am excited to go, and I've heard it's amazing, even though it is a pretty extreme ride. Uh, but so thank God Brother David agreed to come on and record this with me. So I'm going to get this show underway, and let's bring on Brother David. Are you here? I am, Frank. How are you, brother? I am fine. I'm excited. I'm <laughs> I've got all those emotions of going on, you know, five class five rapids coming up here soon. So uh, I'm I not going to lie. I wish with you. Yep. <laughs> Pretty intense. I wish you were there with me. <laughs> yes, so. yep. Yeah. 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 They're a ton of fun. I've done some white water rafting uh, myself here and there, and it is a rush. And uh, I, I'll be keeping you there. I got your back. I mean, praise God. Amen. And so thank, thank the Lord for that. So, uh, hey, br- brother, I'm glad to have you here with us. This Deeper Communion series, it's important. Um, David, you, you know, we were praying just for a moment before uh, the program. And, and one of the things, and I remember this was first brought to my attention years ago by um, one of the greatest authors, I think, in, in the last couple hundred years. It just so happens to have the same last name as you, and that's Andrew Murray. Uh, in his, I think, one of the most groundbreaking papers outside of the Bible. Uh, it's eight pages printed on absolute surrender. And he mentioned something in there that really struck me, that I didn't really understand that I was thinking about or I'd never put two and two together, but the fear of going deeper with God, because somehow that would mean we're going to have to suffer. We're going to have to almost like a punishment because we'll be exposed or he'll want to dig deep into our lives. And what a horrible thought to think about our heavenly father, um, that he would somehow desire to harm us because we want to go deeper with him. Yeah, it's, um, it's twisted. I mean, it, it, it's off. Well, I, I'm sorry, Frank. I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, brother. No, no, please, please go ahead. Well, I was just gonna, I was just going to kind of, you know, dovetail into that and say that a lot of that is just the result of um, fearful and judgmental teachings. Where you know we've we've all we've heard you know the body of Christ whenever they've tuned into me, whether it's through you know on my blog or whether it's through you know broadcasting. I've always said we will filter the Bible through our perception of the author. 
And what we're meant to do, establish Jesus' love, he gave us the written, the written record. He gave us a physical, in the, the natural realm, uh, picture of who the invisible God is. So that when we read the word of God, we're reading it through the eyes of an unconditional loving God who fiercely loves us and, and provided the way throughout several thousands of years of an eternal redemptive plan. But we don't really do that because if we don't really have very good role modeling, if our, if our father figures, if our parental modeling, if our, if our social environment did not give us a sense of unconditional value and worth, then we're, we, we grew up under a demonic belief system. And that demonic belief system operates largely within the church. Because when I accept Christ as my Savior, that doesn't mean that my thinking changes at all. The Spirit of God comes, to, 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 comes into union with my spirit. But all throughout the Word of God, it says we are transformed into his image as we change our thinking. The soul is the gatekeeper. And, and guys, you know, you, as we've been talking about this deeper communion series, it, it, it comes back to the same thing again and again. Our soul is the gatekeeper. Our soul either allows the truth of the kingdom, the power of the spirit realm, to infuse and enter and change our soul and flow out through our physical senses through the body, or we choose to shut it down. And an example, Frank, just when you're talking about it, immediately what comes to mind is, right, we use the scripture verse talking about fear of going deeper, um, things out of context that conform to the twisted perception we have of our, of our heavenly dad. And one of the, the verses that I hear quoted all the time is, well, the Bible says we have to pick up our cross. So I'm dealing with this sickness or I'm dealing with this, this trial and, and we all have our crosses to bear. So guys, I want to address that false doctrine. When the scriptures talk about pick up your cross and follow me, it's talking about dying to the carnal mind. I'm going to repeat that again, guys. When, this, when Jesus talks about picking up your cross and following me, he's talking about becoming crucified and entering into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is receiving Holy Spirit, and dying according to the principles and patterns of this world. You will read that all throughout the earth ministry of Jesus, and it's reinforced all throughout the epistles. We are to die. We do not live according to the principles of this world. Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, the entire New Testament, guys, discusses the reality that we are to die to the demonic belief system which says our self-worth comes from how well we perform. Think of us. That is the cross we are to pick up. We are to crucify the old thinking which already died in Christ because 2 Corinthians 5:17 and 21 says we have been made a new creature in Christ. We died to the things of this world, so we have to stop carrying around this dead man. So guys, when you hear the scripture, someone say, well, you know, we all have our cross to bear. That's false doctrine. We do not have a cross to bear because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So we are to die to the demonic system and the demonic way of thinking. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12.2. We are to take every thought captive to the obedience of the nature and image of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5, so that we are transformed into greater increase, increasing glory, 2 Peter 1.3. So um, I didn't mean to get off into any of that, but, no. uh, but Frank, when you, when you share those truths of what the church is struggling with, it just kicks up a fire in me. So I just wanted to address that. So sorry to, to go off on a little rabbit trail there. No, I, I just, I think sometimes, David, there's a misunderstanding uh, of when the Lord wants to operate on a cancer in the body. And some, what we don't understand, it's already killing us, and, and his desire is to remove it from us. Yep. And those instances at times can be painful, but that's not punishment. It's, you're already, it's yep. killing already, and he's saying, let me take it from you. And that's why I, repentance is like this beautiful gift where you get to basically take all that garbage and give it to the Lord. And, and let go and stop carrying this baggage around your whole life that is killing you. And, yep. and, I know, and somehow that gets translated into punishment. And what a sad... I mean, the same... Which one of us desire to hurt our own children? Nobody. I mean, if you do, you're, you got, yeah. you're sick. Well, we got that emotion to love our children from our own Father in Heaven. And he's, his yeah, was amen. pure, ours is carnal. And so anyways, Yeah, we're just a reflection. Yeah, yeah. So, David, I'm going to ask, could you open us? We got, I, I, I think it need to be dealt with, but let's, let's get into some prayer and, and, and uh, let's get this thing going. Thank you so much for that word because that needed to be talked about. Oh, amen. Amen. Heavenly so Father, pray. we give this... Yeah, oh, absolutely, Frank. Absolutely. Uh, you got me all fired up already. <laughs> Father, we give this night to you. We give this recording, this time with the body of Christ where we gather into your name, Lord God. We gather that we thank you there's no distance in the spirit realm, that we are one in Christ. Whereas Paul said, though I am absent physically, I am present with you in spirit. Father, I thank you that all of those that, that are gathered to exalt you, Lord Jesus, in our midst. We thank you for your word, your scripture, being illuminated by the power of your Holy Spirit that bears witness to your word, to your nature, to your truth. I thank you that we would all continue to see you in ever-increasing glory that transforms our thinking, that brings us into healing and to greater and greater intimacy with you, Father. That the day star, that your love and goodness would continue to shine within our soul in brighter and brighter glory because you created us for good works that flow out of intimacy of you. We give this night to you. I speak the blood of Jesus Christ upon these airways, Father God. I thank you that you are the God who lives and exists outside of time. And so whenever this broadcast is being broadcast, Father God, that you would be exalted and it would minister spirit, soul, and body to the church as they tune in. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Well, David, tonight I, you know, I've been involved in a Bible study with some people in the book of Ruth. And this, to me, is the part that your series comes together. And, you know, where Naomi was laying at the, or excuse me, Ruth was laying at the feet of Boaz. And she says to him, spread your skirt over me. And you read in the Word of God where he talks about spreading his skirt, his wings, his garment over us. To me, that is deeper communion. It's the same thing she asked of Boaz is the same thing the Lord says he wants to do with us. And for me, this is what the deeper communion is about. The Lord spreading his garment over us, bringing us in tight. He loves us this much. So, brother, this time is yours. Please, uh, share what the Lord's put on your heart. Well, we're going to continue on um, in, in deeper communion. One of the things that, that um, has come to my attention is really the lack of sound biblical teaching and understanding what prophecy is to the new covenant believers. You know, Ephesians 4 and, and elsewhere talk about there's a new covenant that we have where the Holy Spirit lives in us. And guys, under the old covenant, when, a, when someone who was a prophet said something, the way we would determine because we didn't have the Holy Spirit in us, is we would wait for it to come to pass. And if it came to pass, that person was of the Lord. And if it didn't, then we'd say, well, it was, it was a false prophetic word. The New Covenant says just the opposite, guys. The New Covenant says, when the prophets speak, let the others judge. We do not judge by whether something comes to pass or not, because in the New Covenant, we all have the Holy Spirit within us. So when Holy Spirit speaks and bears witness to what's on Father's heart, we are to judge it at the time. And the confusion comes in is because our soul, to the degree, right, it always comes back to the soul, guys. Wherever the soul is contending with God's nature, with his truth, the soul will twist and pervert what the Spirit of God is speaking from within our spirit man, and it brings confusion. So what we're going to get into today is understanding prophecy a little bit and cooperating with it, right? Because if we can't understand it, it makes it very difficult to cooperate with it. And if we can't cooperate with it, we cannot partner with God, right? Amos Toon says, can two walk the same path unless they are agreed upon it? We can't walk the same path of the Lord if we're contending with him. James chapter 1 makes it very clear if we're two-souled. If we're double-minded, we're not to expect much from the Lord. What, does he withhold? No, Father God never withholds. His kingdom is constantly flowing like a river. His nature, his precepts, his laws of love are the foundations in which everything he made rests upon. And when we come into alignment with his principles and the laws of love and his nature, we come under the waterfall, the river of those blessings. When we contend with them, we step out and we fall back under the curse of Adam, which we've been redeemed from, where the Lord said to Adam, by the sweat of your own brow will you bring forth fruit. Meaning, because you have stepped outside from my kingdom, the only way you're going to prosper now is by your own strength. But Jesus came and redeemed us from the first Adam's mistake. That's why the scriptures say, in Christ, everything is yes and amen. And he who spared not his own son, how shall he not also freely give us all things? 
We come back under the fullness of the kingdom, but our soul determines if we're going to receive that intimacy, receive his love, accept his goodness, accept what he's speaking to our spirit, or whether we're going to reject it. So how does this play in with prophecy? Well, first, we're going to talk about basically three things. And, and this really isn't going to be long. This is meant to be more of an appetizer. Um, guys, deep intimacy requires maturity, and maturity involves teaching, correction, and training. Okay, Ephesians 1.18, 2 Timothy 3.16, Hebrews 12.11. Right? I'm, I'm going to try to keep this short, so I'm not going to quote every scripture, but I'm going to give you some context, verses in context, so that you guys can look that up and just meditate on it. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you on it. Right? Intimacy requires maturing. Maturing requires teaching, correction, and training, the scriptures say. If we are not being taught, corrected, and trained, our ability to walk in the realm of the Spirit, where the fullness of Christ's intimacy and the Father's intimacy lies, will be hindered. I don't know about you guys, but my desire no matter how many areas he's got to work through my junk, my desire is to experience more and more Father's love and to feel Amen. what's on his heart Amen. and to express back to him what's on his heart. That's just what makes me tick. And that's not because I'm special. It's because that's my response to his love. Right, love and good. How many of you guys, we're gonna, there's so much to go over. So we've talked about, right, guys, you know, there's, we've been, the church in, in predominantly uh, this audience that's tuning in, that's hungry for God, predominantly has struggled with the confusion of thinking that God is this giant wrathful God that's looking to club us, right? Guys, I want to encourage you with something. You know, the, the marriage, friendships, and marriage being the deepest covenant, the deepest reflection of a spiritual covenant, right? is marriage, right? We are the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. Song of Solomon is an entire book written to give us a picture that is meant to represent a spiritual reality that we're called to walk in. It's an invitation. How many of us would look at our spouse, and if we have a spouse that unconditionally loves us, unconditionally accepts us, always believes in us, walks in 1 Corinthians 13, what love looks like, right? We forget about 1 Corinthians 13. It's kind of a snag in that whole fearful thing about God is that God is love. And, and everything he does is designed to increase intimacy because that's how much he loves us. Correction, teaching, discipline is designed to foster greater intimacy by healing and removing the cancer and the sin that hinders us from experiencing greater intimacy. How many of us, if we had a spouse that loves us unconditionally, that walks in 1 Corinthians 13, that always believes the best, that lavishes on us love no matter what, we're going to want to see in how many different ways we can commit adultery against that spouse. Mm. doesn't make any sense, right? On any level, right, Frank, does that make any sense to you? We have the best wives in the whole world, so we think, you know what? This wife, my wife is so loving, so forgiving, so compassionate, kind, she forgives everything I do, loves me so deeply and intimately. You know, I think I'm just going to commit adultery as much as I can. 
It, yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense. And yet, when we talk about the love of God, what's the first question that we, we want to throw out there? Well, what does that mean? We can go on sinning and do what we want? Guys, that's a programmed answer. It's, it's because it violates natural reasoning. But we've been taught that if we talk about how much God loves us, that is a quote-unquote license to sin. That, that, that expression is not even in Scripture. Right? It's, we're not looking. Romans 2 says it's the goodness of God that changes us to repent, to turn to his goodness. In the same way that the more that we have a friend or a spouse that loves us, we want to return that. I'll be the first to say, my wife is my better half. And that's not, oh, David, you're being so Amen. humble. That's just the reality of it. <laughs> that's, just, that's the reality. Maya is my better half in every way. We started dating in college, and she put up with me and all of the things that I walked out with God with fear and trembling and my moodiness. She puts up with it now. And she has always motivated me through her silent loving me unconditionally, has always made me want to grab a hold of more of Father's love so that I can love her better. Just my natural response. So guys, when we talk about the love of God and our mind begins to go, well, how much can I sin? There's a thinking, there's a pattern, a demonic pattern that we have been taught to believe that needs to be severed by the power of the blood of Jesus. We need to sever mm. that response and that thinking. So, guys, we're going to talk about what is prophecy, prophecy, and then how do we partner with Father God? And we're going to ask, well, why do we need to partner with Father God? We're going to get into that. Guys, let's, let's start off something straight away. Let's clarify some language to cut away all the nonsense and confusion that goes around this hour. If, if you believe God speaks to your spirit, you believe in prophecy. If you don't, that's outside the context of this teaching, and you're certainly welcome to listen. But um, this is based upon the, the um, belief that God speaks to you, that the Holy Spirit is in constant communion with your spirit, and that he, had, he speaks to his children and longs for his children to hear his voice and respond to his voice. If we believe that he speaks to your spirit, you believe in prophecy. Because prophecy, the simple definition of prophecy, the Greek word for prophecy, is the heart, mind, and the will of Father revealed to his children. Simple definition of Greek are hidden things revealed. They're not revealed by us. They're revealed from Father through the Holy Spirit to his children. Guys, that's all prophecy is. That's it. That's why Paul says, I desire you all prophesy. Because the desire of Father's heart that Paul understood and picked up on and walked in is he wants all of us to understand the heart, mind, and the will of our Heavenly Dad. It's our birthright. It is the most basic and intimate expression of relationship that we were called to through the blood of Jesus Christ. Guys, a reminder, we are spirit beings. We interact in the realm of the spirit by our spirit man, not by our intellect. Our soul is meant to receive revelation by our spirit. 
And the more that we change our thinking, the more that we begin to grasp his nature and his love, the more we begin to read less about prophecy, old covenant prophecy and double fulfillments of prophecy, and more about the earth ministry of Jesus and begin to confess, Lord, I accept you love me. I accept, I receive 1 Corinthians 13 for me. I receive Colossians 1.21 and Hebrews 10.10. And you begin to speak the word of God over yourself, it will begin to change the way you see yourself and the way you see Father God. And you will begin to understand what's on his heart more and more. So that's prophecy, guys. We're going to get into the two types now of prophecy. They are conditional and unconditional. Two types. Unconditional prophecy, we'll start with that one, requires no personal responsibility or accountability between our relationship with the Lord and what he's going to do. Okay, nothing we could do about it. Examples of unconditional prophecy is the return of Jesus, the millennial reign, and the covenant that God made with Abram, Genesis 15.1. I could look those up. Spend some time, think on them, let them soak in. They were unconditional promises given that will not be altered. Completely different. It does require our personal involvement and partnership in order to bring about what Father wants to do. Now, please remember, New Covenant saints that have the Holy Spirit in you, that authority was given to Christ, and Jesus said in Matthew 28, as he was leaving, initiating the Great Commission, when you have the Holy Spirit, when you receive the new covenant, and you receive a new mind, and a new heart, and a new nature, and have become reconciled, and enter into the kingdom, you will carry out my will through the authority that I have. So in the new covenant, we are given the authority and are mandated to carry out the will of the Father on earth. Of course, with everything, guys, we're going to get extremes. We're going to get extreme doctrines. We're going to get error. We don't toss out what Jesus did say or what his intentions were. That's why he gave commands before he left. He empowered us to begin to carry out the will of the Father just as Jesus did. So conditional prophecy means that when Father reveals something to the church, the church has a role to play in it. He may, well, let's go into examples. Examples of this, guys, of conditional prophecies are the prophecies of Jonah, the death of Hezekiah in 2 Kings 20, verse 1, to read that, and the declaration that Samson would be a Nazarite all the days of his life, Judges 13, 7. Conditional prophetic words. The confusion has come in, guys, is because we haven't been taught and haven't been shown to discern between unconditional and conditional prophecy. Guys, the vast majority of the time when Father speaks to us, it's conditional prophecy because he gave us his signet ring. We are his ambassadors. We have entered into a covenant no other uh, believer, no other child of God prior to the new covenant has ever entered into in the history of man since the fall of Adam. When Father wants to do something, he's going to do it through the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? He's on the earth. He lives in the church. 
So as long as the church is here, the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to do what is on Father's heart. Prophecy. Guys, everything that Father shares with us is an invitation. It's an invitation to greater intimacy. It's an invitation to partner with him. Guys, in this hour, I'm going to call a spade a spade. Sharing what we say is on Father's heart has become a very popular pastime. Mm-hmm. Been very popular. There's two parts to, to conditional prophecy, guys. There's a God side and there's a man side. Sharing what we perceive to be the God side has become a very popular pastime. It's more fun than watching a football game or a baseball game. Church is relishing in it. Sharing the requirements on our end, our personal responsibility, has not been popular, and we're rejecting it. We are rejecting the covenant of conditional prophecy. It's causing great damage and confusion, not just to the body of Christ, but to the lost that are looking for Christ and the image and power of Christ in the church and can't find it. Guys, the the kingdom of God is a government of intimacy with our creator. We've become afraid of discussing anything that requires personal responsibility. And the result, guys, is that we become ignorant of how to partner with him. Now, guys, I want to make a distinction right here. I'm not talking about his return. Guys, if we, if, if, think about this, guys. He died for you. He died for me. If we have not received prophetic insight into what he wants to do in your heart, if we are spending more time meditating on prophecies that have to do with the, the end of this age, and the judging of other people, and other people going to hell and dying, guys, we have a serious illness in the body of Christ. If we cannot stop and get quiet and say, Lord, what was the last thing you spoke to me about your mind, will, and intention for my life? Jeremiah 33.3, right? For I know the plans I have you, plans to bless you and prosper you, give you hope and a future. Where are those plans? Guys, where's the blueprint for your personal, one-off, one-of-a-kind relationship with the Lord? There is no one like you. Your relationship with God is yours and yours alone. It's like a fingerprint. It's like a snowflake. There are no two the same. When was the last time someone spoke into your life God wants to do in your life and how you're to partner with that to bring that to pass? We've rejected fellowship. We've rejected intimacy. We've rejected the gifts of the Spirit. We've rejected any prophetic word that has to do with anything about his goodness or correction that actually points us to greater intimacy. And we've substituted with something that has a form of godliness but denies the power of the resurrection in our lives. And guys, in love, Father is calling us to task in this hour on that. It's not condemnation or fear. 
right? Because every word that he gives, every prophetic word should be motivating, encouraging, and comforting. So you say, well, David, that's a hard word. Where's the encouragement? Guys, is it encouraging to hear that Father wants to spend more time with you and wants you to know his love more, more deeply, more intimately? Is it comforting to know that he loves you so much that he won't allow you to stay in, in, in the dark and the thinking and the hurt, the pain, the shame, the fear? Isn't that comforting to know that he has a plan to break us from the bondage of that? Isn't it motivating to be given a blueprint of how we can begin to partner with him by changing our thinking? Guys, all correction, when it's done after the Father's heart, is motivating, comforting, and encouraging. It's the shame of Satan's lies that causes us to run from his goodness. And he's inviting us into greater intimacy in this hour. He is inviting those that are, that are hungry for him and have lost the blueprint. He's inviting you into his inner chamber with him. Guys, the vast majority of the time when he shares what's on his heart and what he's going to do, it is conditional. This nation constantly faces crossroads. Lord, from the time I was, uh, 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 the time I was preteen, the Lord had me study the history of the United States and the involvement of the church in every generation in the United States. Call on this nation is like no other call. Just like the call in your life is like no other call. Every nation has its own call. Every nation has its own place of how to stand to fulfill the eternal desires of Father God, which is to reconcile the world to himself. And the church isn't being taught that. Those that, are, that have place of influence, not all, but many by and large, don't want to share it. And instead we've turned to anger turn to things that cause us not to have to look at the pain in our own heart that prevents us from hearing the words he has for us. He's inviting us to more. Guys, Colossians 1.12. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Colossians 1.12. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. 2 Peter 1.4, through these, now the context that Peter's talking to is the promises that are ours in Christ. Through these promises, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Notice the link here, guys, between promises and participation. If we want to walk in the divine nature that lives inside of us, we have to participate with the promises. It's conditional prophecy. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again to a yoke of slavery. Guys, how much freedom do we feel in Christ? What is freedom, David? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Forget the gifts of the Spirit. Forget the fruits of the Spirit. Right? Gifts are freely given, have nothing to do with maturity. Fruits are sown. 
they are directly related to intimacy. But let's put aside gifts and fruits, and let's look to just love, 1 Corinthians 13, because everything flows from love, including discipline and correction. How much freedom in Christ do we have to experience the power of 1 Corinthians 13? And when you're chewing on that, I can give you an answer of how to give yourself an objective litmus test. How much you flow in 1 Corinthians 13 towards strangers, towards your loved ones, to your spouse, to your family and friends and neighbors and those that hate Christ, that need a revelation of his love, that tells us how much we've allowed into our soul. Because the heart speaks, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, and out of the man's inner bellies is what will come out. And the light that's within a man's soul shines out through our physical temple. We are an expression of what our souls believe. Now, I'm not talking about our spirit, man. Right? Again, break down these false doctrines. The Holy Spirit lives in our spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance. But our David, soul David, could I say one thing about that before you go on a little frank, please? Okay. It reminded me, um, you know, for the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Mm. And, mm. folks, when you hear that person that, you know, uh, there's, you know, around other believers, it's hallelujah and praise the Lord. But when you're off alone, it's, you know, this word or that word and all kinds of nasty language is truly a reflection of what's in the heart. And that's why the Bible says no man can tame the tongue. You can't tame the tongue. The heart must be changed because the tongue is nothing but an extension of what's inside the heart. So if you have a problem with the way you talk, then the solution is not trying to just tame what you say. The solution is to allow the Lord to change the heart. And when the heart is changed, Amen. then the tongue will reflect. And so, David, I appreciate that because it's we've got to stop trying to go after the outside stuff. It's internal is where the changes are made. Anyways, I'll let you yeah, go. Jesus Sorry about us that. Of that. No, that's no, that's fantastic. That's absolutely spot on, Frank. That's that's a perfect uh, dovetail. Uh, I mean, Jesus corrected the Pharisees. We've been talking about how the spirit of Pharisee is so rampant. Satan, guys, can only hold us in bondage where we give him permission. We give him permission through our thought life. That's all he has. Every area where he's able to attack us, the arena is the thought life. The scriptures, the new covenant makes that very clear. The old covenant was about external works, trusting that God would one day redeem us. Because the prophecies, Jeremiah and Ezekiel said, I'm going to give them a new heart and a new mind. I'm going to put my spirit within them. Right? We're living in that now, guys. The spirit, the kingdom is in you now. But the soul determines whether or not we're going to walk in it or whether we're going to live in the bondage of Satan's lies. The answer is not self-control. Jesus slammed the Pharisees for that. He called them whitewashed tombs. And yet we're doing the same thing. We'll talk about external prophecy and external judgments and the things of God, and we've got to repent. Well, what are we going to repent of? More outward things? God wants your heart, guys, and he's interested in transforming you and me 
so that he can enjoy the reason why he sent us to die, Jesus to die for us. Guys, the scriptures say, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the shame of the cross. It says he despised it. The Greek word for despise means to lightly esteem it, to just scoff his head at shame. The joy set before him was intimacy with you and I. Guys, 2 Peter 1.19 says, We also have this prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Guys, the day star, just another word for Jesus, day star is knocking on the door of our hearts. He's already in our spirit. He wants into our mind, will, emotions, and beliefs. Amen. Guys, that's where the power of the resurrection transforms us. So, guys, so what's the bottom line? So, now, strictly speaking, guys, this could be counted and said to be a prophetic word. Why? Because I'm sharing with you, as one spirit-filled believer, to all the other spirit-filled believers that are tuning in, if you've accepted Christ as your atoning sacrifice, as your righteousness. We all have the Holy Spirit. And it's one spirit. And so all I'm doing is sharing with you a small part of what's on Father's heart for this season. It's a conditional prophetic word. Now, I'm not, the Lord has not released me to discuss the different crossroads that this nation is on. But the crossroads have to do with where and how and if the church partners with what is on his heart. We cannot escape that accountability. We will all give account one day when we are in heaven and we are at the Bema seat, the reward seat. Not the great white throne judgment that we like to confuse the two guys. We are escaping the judgment of Satan and the lost. We will, however, face the Bema seat, which is the reward seat for the saints. And we, at that time, every action that we did that's based upon wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, and precious metals will be weighed, and, and the fire will purify it, and whatever is done from his heart will be given to us as a reward. Everything else is burned up, lost. We will all give account of what we did on this life that was in accordance with what was on his heart. Guys, this life is a blink. Pain is a blink. The courage it takes to step out and believe God is who he says he is. It's a blink, guys. And then we're going to be with him forever. And I've always said, Lord, as much as I ever, I wanted the honor of being martyred for your name, I don't want to go to heaven yet. As much as I've seen the glimpses of that glory, and as much as he's shown me snippets of what's to come, I said, Lord, not yet, because I'll have all of eternity to be with you. I get one shot at this. I get one shot to walk in great intimacy with you and to please your heart, to bless your heart in the midst of such darkness. Just tarry a little longer. Honor you in faith. 
let me give back to you the love that you've shown to me by honoring you with such blind faith and such darkness so that the light of your truth and power can shine through me to others and you be glorified. Guys, this life is a blink. Don't be afraid. In the name of Jesus, I say to you, brothers and sisters, don't be afraid. Begin to ask him how you can partner with him. How do we partner with this prophetic word, guys? It's okay. We can use the word prophecy. We need to mature. We need to say, Father is sharing some things that are on his heart. How do we partner with this? We need to put away childish things to begin, guys. Father, show me what in my thinking, in my relationship with you is rooted in love and what's rooted in fear. What's rooted in love, what's rooted in anger and pain and judgment and wrath. Show me the ancient paths, Lord. Show me your goodness and show me where I'm not walking in it because I want you to break those chains by the power of the Holy Spirit. Begin to ask him to speak to you in dreams and visions and in his written word. Begin to ask him to get others, other believers, other like-minded that are hungry for Christ to, to have divine meetings, divine connections. The honor of fellowship with another brother and sister, iron sharpens iron. One will put a thousand to flight. Two will put 10,000 to flight, the scriptures say. There is power in the corporate gathering as we gather to Christ. All right, we don't like the way some things are being done, so gather to Christ. You are the light. Don't let that love be under a bowl. Don't let your soul be a bowl that covers the light that's in your spirit. Ask him where that bowl needs to become transformed into a clear glass vase, into a vessel that shines his love and goodness throughout every part of you. He will speak to you guys. It's on his heart. And I have seen, just a little bit, I have seen, the Lord has allowed me the honor of seeing the end times bride that is spotless before him, that walk in great power, that are expressions of his love. I have seen a church that made the first century, century church <laughs> the reality of what it is, that they just got started. They just got started. Guys, you and I are called to that. It is our birthright. So guys, some meditation, some scriptures. Meditate on 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Hebrews eleven six, John fifteen five, Ephesians one eighteen, Revelations three twenty. I could go on forever. All of you, these these all talk about the intimacy and how to change our thinking. They give us the tools, the scriptures, give us the tools of how to partner with what anything He wants to do in our life. What He's asking, the invitation this hour. The theme of this series is deeper communion. And guys, I, I know, I know some in the church don't like this. It's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. 
But I pray for all of you. I pray for the church in this country. I pray for the church in this generation, in this world, pressing into how much he loves you. And from there, go and give that love. Give that love. Share the gospel. Share signs and wonders that point to Christ. And I'll finish up with this. And we went over a little bit longer than I wanted to. But uh, Frank, stop me if I've already said this, because I, I think about it a lot. It comes to my spirit. So if I already have, have I talked about how where Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. I talked about that scripture verse at all. Um, go ahead. I, we need a refresher, even if you have. I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't recall it immediately. Okay. So, guys, there's a, there's a scripture that goes out constantly. Whenever we talk about moving in in, in an earth ministry that re- reflects Jesus Christ, um, we quote that scripture verse, right? We love to go to Matthew 7:21. Whenever we talk about the gifts of the Spirit or signs or wonders, we say, "Well, Jesus is going to tell a lot of us in that day, depart from me. I never knew you.' When we, Lord, we perform signs and miracles and do this, this in your name, guys. We we need that's a that's a false doctrine." I'm going to call it what it is, and that's a false doctrine. That is a demonic doctrine that has been infused. Satan had the audacity to quote Scripture to Jesus. He does have the audacity to twist it and quote it to you and I. Right? The key verse in that, guys, the key point in that, what does the Scripture say? Jesus said, I never knew you. Never knew you. So if you've received Jesus as your Messiah, as the atonement for your sins, he cannot say, I never knew you, because God's not a liar. So that verse does not apply to you. Jesus is talking about those that never accepted the gift of righteousness that tried to earn it through signs and wonders and counterfeit spirits. It does not apply to the spirit-filled believer. So stop quoting that verse over yourselves and over the other members of the body of Christ. It's a false doctrine. It's a demonic spirit that moves in the spirit of Antichrist, that has a form of godliness, but denies the power of the resurrection in the church. So you can put that verse away and put it in the right context. It's applied to the spirit-filled believer. You don't have to be afraid to actually let Christ move through you the way through he did in his earth ministry and through the first century church. It's our birthright. Our self-worth comes from Christ, so we can put that away. I share Amen. all the time in my blog how the, the areas where I've messed up and the areas where God's used me to heal people and give words of knowledge. And why do I share it freely? Because it has nothing to do with my self-worth, guys. We're the righteousness of Christ. Nothing can take that away and nothing can add to it. Humility is to know that Jesus is your eternal worth. Pride is to seek worth apart from what God said about you. Don't be afraid to step out and try things. It's a ton of fun. But first, guys, we have to move in intimacy ourselves, or we really just want to have a desire, because if we don't know how much we're loved, we can only love to the degree that we are loved, that we realize how loved we are. So, Frank, I, I know I was a little bit of a... Uh, I got steamrolling say a little bit, but this has been more than any other teaching I've, I've done in a while. <clears throat> Amen. No, burning. I, praise the Lord. I, for a while. Amen. One of the one of the best in the series, brother. Um, just to kind of back up what you said, 
about the depart. Um, the counter are the other believers, David, that they are responding back. They said, Lord, when did we feed you? Or you know, when did we give you or clothe you? When were you naked? Or when were you sick and we visited you? They, they weren't trying to earn something. To try to Amen. to try to find their self worth, they actually were a little bit shocked and surprised. Amen. They didn't get their value from what they were doing. They got their value from the Lord, and oh, because they got their value from the Lord, they were just doing what was on His heart. Yes. And there was no need Amen. to try to, Lord, look what I'm doing. No, no, I'm safe in Jesus, and because I'm safe in Him, I love His people and. I help them because that's what he does, and that's who he is. Amen. And so, God bless you, brother. Thank you so uh, much for bringing that out. David, this, in my opinion, uh, has been the best, one of the best shows of the whole Deeper series, um, Deeper Communion series. And, um, folks, it, listen, it is a, let's not lie, it's a dark time we live in, but it doesn't matter what happens? We are to be bright lights and we'll shine even brighter in the darkness if you allow the Lord to use you. Because even when everything falls apart, we don't get an exemption card to not share Jesus anymore. The Lord loves us and he cares for us and he wants us to love other people. And they like what you were saying is just give me a, a little bit longer on this world. To, to share in the intimacy, but a part of that intimacy is is sharing Christ with other people and seeing the joy of what it means to bring somebody to salvation, to understand that Christ loves them. I, I try to tell people so often there's no greater feeling than seeing someone else give their lives to the Lord. I don't know anything better. I... Yeah. Amen. It's my one glimpse into what he feels when he has one of us come home is when I get to partake with him in seeing someone else commit their lives to him. And it's not me. It's just he lets me be with him along for the ride and experience the joy of seeing a transformed life. So, folks, I want to encourage you God wants us to be, as David saying, as partners in this thing with him. We're on the same team. Man, what an amazing thing to think that, you know what, the one who's coaching my team really is the best coach. He really is better than your coach and <laughs> someone else's. You know, we used to say we're little, my dad's greater than your dad. Well, you know what, mine really is. His name's Father God, and he is in the business of loving his children and saving lost souls. David, God bless you and what you shared tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Frank. Thank you for Amen. the opportunity to come on and share a little bit with that Father's heart. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Well, folks, um, please share this show with other people. It's important. We have a work to do. But we've got to learn what it means to commune with the Lord first so that we can begin to find out what his plans are for us and what he desires. 
And as David said, the first thing he truly desires is to commune with us and for us to receive his love. I can't think of anything greater. This is Brother Frank and Brother David Murray on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Shalom.